WWE Retro here on the WWE Podcast on the last Friday of April. As it's crazy to say that we are already at the end of April. It felt like WrestleMania was just yesterday as we inch closer to WrestleMania Backlash and into the summer. And before you know it, we'll be getting ready for Money in the Bank and SummerSlam and all that. But, you know, as I say always, just kick off this show each and every week. We are not here for the current product. That could be reserved for my takes when I do my shows with Matt on Monday. We are here to go back in time for a retro moment. And this week, it's not a specific moment. It is to recap Edge's rise to the main event in WWE. And last week, we we covered JBL's... I would say historic main event run from June 2004 until WrestleMania in early 2005. And this was right around the time when Edge's blitz to the main event, and yeah, I'll use the word blitz, was really in full effect. Because upon the breakup of Edge and Christian in the in late 2001, You could tell WWE had big plans for Edge. You know, right off the bat, he wings the King of the Ring. Actually, before even breaking up with Christian. Then he has the program with Booker T that leads into WrestleMania 18. And then he has probably his first significant singles program against Kurt Angle. One that led to... Kurt Angle getting his head shaved in June of 2002, if if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately for Edge, right around early 2003, where he was really getting pushed hard and he was tagging with Benoit a lot against Team Angle, and he was being pushed as one of the main singles babyfaces on SmackDown behind Brock Lesnar, probably behind Chris Benoit, behind The Undertaker, but in that mix, that mid-card mix, he started battling a rash of injuries, and he missed back-to-back WrestleManias, and it seemed that 2003 was, and early 2004 was just a period of Edge's career where just not a whole lot of traction could be built because of the injuries. But we knew how good Edge was, and the crowd was behind Edge, and it was as if that every time he came back and he was starting to get a bit of traction and start to carve out a role, he would be put back on the shelf. So by the time he was finally ready to come back in early 2004, following WrestleMania 20, and missing two WrestleManias back-to-back is a pretty big deal, Because at this point, Edge had only had one singles match at a WrestleMania. Aside from that, he had only been involved in the three-way ladder matches for the tag team championships. The historic ladder matches, I may add. 
But they had a lot of work to do in building up Edge as a singles competitor. And when he finally came back, they decided to pull the trigger and send him over to Monday Night Raw. You know, back when the brand split was a big deal in WWE. And obviously a big babyface at the time. They knew that they had to have Edge make an impact over on Monday Night Raw. You know, Chris Benoit had just gone to Raw, won the World Heavyweight Championship. You had, you know, the Elder Statesman and Triple H and HBK over there. The rest of Evolution, Kane, Chris Jericho. A lot of fresh faces for Edge to work with. Now, you can make the case that he would have had as many fresh faces over on SmackDown because he hadn't been around for over a year. But sending him to Raw was a fresh look because ever since the brand split had been put into effect in 2002, Edge was a member of the SmackDown brand. And when he got drafted over to Monday Night Raw in April of 2004, Edge would make an impact right away. Well, I don't know if you guys remembered that theme song that Edge had for a bit in the early days of the Ruthless Aggression era, the Rob Zombie um, song, I believe, uh, Never Gonna Stop Me is the name of the song. And for a guy like Edge, it's crazy how many theme songs he's had. (laughs) Like, obviously, you have the classic Edge and Christian theme song. Then you have the the Rated R Superstar theme song that he had just up until recently. Now he's changed it with the Heel theme song. 
And then, you know, we have the often forgotten Rob Zombie, Never Gonna Stop Me theme song, but uh, all very good songs, I must say. I, I've yet to see Edge come out with a theme song, albeit a bunch of them, that I didn't like. And then we can't forget the Broods theme. So there is kind of five theme songs that Edge has used. I guess Triple H is in that boat as well, you know, with Evolution, Degeneration X, The Game... I've, uh, what's the other one I'm looking for? Uh, oh, The King of Kings, of course. Um, my Time in the early days of the Attitude Era. Or I guess the later days of the Attitude Era. And that's when he was with the McMahon-Helmsley regime after uh, he split away from the uh, from the corporate ministry. But I'm going down a theme song rabbit hole that really is not important at this time. So they move Edge over to Monday Night Raw as a babyface. First thing he does, comes out, spears Eric Bischoff into oblivion, which is an easy way to get a a pop from the crowd, that's for sure. And almost immediately, he gets entrenched in a rivalry with Randy Orton. And Randy Orton was on a historic run as the Intercontinental Champion, getting a major push on Monday Night Raw. And... Orton and Edge, you know, obviously looking back 20-odd years later, or 18, whatever it is, uh, they've become two of the best the business has ever seen, and they have had one of the more historic rivalries the business has ever seen. Obviously, with Edge's return to the company, it was very apropos for him to go against Orton in 2020. But this was the first time we would ever get to see Orton versus Edge, and that is why looking back on it it's so cool to see what it ultimately became to for the following 18 years but you know Orton was a guy who since December of 2003 had kind of just been doing whatever he wanted you know beats Rob Van Dam for the championship at Armageddon in December of 2003 then has the program with Mick Foley that leads into the Rock and Saw connection versus Evolution at WrestleMania 20 At Backlash 2004, this very same month, Orton has what I would say arguably his crowning achievement as maybe not quite a main eventer yet, but close to it with his hardcore match against Mick Foley at Backlash. And then it comes to Edge. And they come in to collide with one another at Vengeance 2004 in July of 2004. And... This was a moment and a result where you knew that they were just as high on Edge as, well, maybe not quite as high as they were on Orton, but given the outcome of the Orton-Edge match for the Intercontinental Championship, you knew that they had very big plans for Edge. Another cover up! Look at this! To the fifth corner! 
turnbuckle, then used the ropes for leverage and still didn't get the win. Orton encouraging Edge to stand up. Gonna be time for the RKO. Oh yeah, I feel an RKO, JR. I feel it coming on. Oh! Edge in front of the RKO. Orton makes him more turnbuckle. Edge is, he's in an uncoiled. Look at his spear. Oh my God, what athleticism by Orton. Leapfrogging the spear, and this time it's Edge. Who went face first into the second turnbuckle. Athleticism. I mean, it's athleticism personified. There's no clue. Let's go to the RKO. The box slot on Edge. The box slot on Edge. Or Callaway from an Intercontinental Champion. Look at these people. Everybody in this arena is on their feet. I can't believe them. Uh, A series of near falls. Exchange. Exchange. Oh, an explosive turnbuckle. The spear. That's not the end. So Edge ends the seven-month title reign of Randy Orton with, uh, as Intercontinental Champion. And, you know, this is three months into Edge's return, and it is already his second championship that he wins. Because I forgot to mention earlier, he had won the tag team titles with Chris Benoit, while Benoit was the world heavyweight champion at the same time and was a dual champion, as they defeated Evolution for those tag team championships. And, you know, it was kind of cool. They rekindled some of their chemistry because before Edge had gone down with injury in early 03, he was tagging with Chris Benoit. So then he wins those tag team titles, ultimately drops them to La Resistance at a Monday Night Raw that I was present for. A little tip in my cap or a feather in my cap. And then he wins the Intercontinental Championship a few months later. So you knew that they had something big cooking for Edge at this moment. Because, you know, two championships inside of three months, that's a pretty big, well, it's a pretty big accomplishment for even a guy like Edge. But as we start to move into the autumn of 2004, we start to get to see the newer side of Edge, the more sadistic side of Edge, as they start to begin a heel turn. And at Taboo Tuesday 2004, and Taboo Tuesday, I don't know if you guys remember, was the pay-per-view where fans would vote in their select choices, whether that be a stipulation or an opponent or what have you, um, into the pay-per-view. Back when internet was, no, maybe not in, in its infant stages, but certainly not what it is today. And he was not selected to face the world heavyweight champion at that time, Triple H. It was Shawn Michaels who got that honor. And... It is here when he started to begin to turn full-fledged heel on Chris Benoit as they go to tag against La Resistance themselves for the Tag Team Championships. Benoit wins it on his own after Edge walks out, but it's on the following Monday Night Raw in a rematch where we finally got to see our first look at a heel side of Edge. Oh, is this song? Oh, man, look 
He looks very perplexed. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Now what's he? What the hell? What is going on? Well, I think he. I don't know what he thinks. I guess he thinks that that world tag title still belongs to him. He didn't lose it. It wasn't his fault. Well, my resistance to the new world tag team champions. Well, they, they didn't beat Edge. They beat oh, no. Edge and his own partner right between the eyes with that world tag team title belt. And the and toss them yes. back to fly resistance. As if it were another day at the office. As if he didn't give a damn about the tag titles and especially his partner. Oh, he... Oh, man. It's like he laid Benoit wide open. Benoit has been busted open thanks to his partner. And I use that to listen. Oh, what's the matter? What's the matter? So this was the first time you really got to see the version of Edge that we would come to know in 05, 06, 07, and all that, as we got a first sneak peek of this sadistic heel version of Edge, which is probably the best version of Edge as we're seeing now in current WWE in his program with AJ Styles. And I think it was, look, I'll be honest, I think that they had more tread left on the tire with Edge's babyface. I think they may have pulled the plug a touch too early. But at the same time, given what happened over the following 18 months or so, who the hell am I to criticize what they did with Edge? Because following his heel turn here, it was off to the races. Obviously, he has his mini program with Chris Benoit. And then at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, or sorry, not back then it was not called the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. It was an Elimination Chamber match at New Year's Revolution. And that is the match where he got super kicked by the referee at the time, the guest referee, Shawn Michaels, which kick-started a program with him and Michaels that culminated at the Royal Rumble in 2005. So slowly but surely, you see Edge start to have these bigger one-on-one programs with Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels, and this leads into WrestleMania 21 with the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match, a match that would feature himself, Christian, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Shelton Benjamin, and Kane. 
And it's crazy because this match in and of itself was a microcosm of how strong Raw's mid-card was at this time. Because you had Triple H and Batista battling in the main event. You had a guy like Shawn Michaels who was always a touch away from the main event. And then you had all the rest of these guys. Not to mention Randy Orton who was also on Monday Night Raw at the time. Who had a one-on-one match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 21. So those four were kind of your bona fide main eventers. And then these mid-card guys like Jericho, like Benoit, like Edge, like maybe not so much Christian. But these guys who could do spot work in the main event in a pinch. And the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match showcased this all. And you had, I would say, at least three guys in Jericho, Benoit, and Edge who were all very deserving of winning this you could make the case for a guy like Kane but I don't think he his character was one that really needed this victory Shelton Benjamin the intercontinental champion at the time I think he wasn't quite there and was in this match mostly for how brilliant of an athlete he was and Christian I mean his career with the company or his inaugural run with the company was coming to an end at this point Christian never kind of got to the level as the other ones I just mentioned. But Benoit, Jericho, and Edge were all worthy recipients of winning this first ever Money in the Bank uh, championship. Except for the one fact that Jericho had already been a world champion and Benoit had already been a world champion. So that's why when we got to the end of the Money in the Bank ladder match, the outcome made all too much sense. So Edge wins the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. And this was a really cool victory for Edge because it was something that had never been done before. Much like Jericho Wallace had the first ever undisputed champion feather in his cap. This is something that Edge will forever have. And this really put Edge's push in fast forward. It put it in the fast lane. And... Aligning himself with Lita shortly thereafter just further boosted him as a just detestable heel. Then the Matt Hardy return obviously 
caused even more heel heat against him. Just an absolute brilliant angle that blurred the blurred the lines between reality and fiction. Whether or not this was storytelling, telling, whether this was kayfabe, whether it was scripted, the Matt Hardy program with Edge was one of his best programs, and that's saying something given the fact that of what he did with the Undertaker, what he did with Randy Orton, what he did with John Cena, and. Edge took advantage of the push that was given to him in 2005 and just absolutely skyrocketed up the ranks of WWE. And it really all came to a head at the New Year's Revolution pay-per-view in 2006 where Edge would finally reach the top of the mountain and become a legitimate main eventer. This individual is cashing in his money and the bank privilege that he earned at WrestleMania. The WWE Championship match will take place right here, right now. John Cena defends against Edge. Well, I thought, and I said it earlier tonight, are you kidding me? That Edge would use it at WrestleMania. But Edge is passing in and casting it in big time when John Cena is at his weakest. Oh, no, 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 baby. No, no, no. Turn around, Johnny boy. Turn no, around. No. It's over. Edge is around. just waiting on the WWE Champions. Waiting on him. Check it out. the spin. Hit the spin. Hit the new champion. Two. No. No. Did he get him? No, he didn't. How in the world did John Cena kick out of that? Was it a three or a two? It was a two. It was a two. And Edge is in total disbelief. I don't think Edge is the only one in disbelief. After all that Cena's gone through. Look at Edge now. He can't believe it. The disbelief now turning to frustration and anger. You can see the face of Edge changing. Oh, no, not another sphere. But I guess Edge figures that's what it's going to take. Edge will spear John Cena over and over again if he has to. Oh, and again. Cover. He got it. Are My God, what has happened here tonight? Are you? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. This was indeed a historical night. So Edge cashes in Money in the Bank and ends the first ever WWE Championship run for John Cena, which was significant in and of itself because you look at the the guys that John Cena beat during his first run as champion, whether that be JBL, which we covered last week. In the summer, it was Jericho, it was Christian. Then he had the longstanding feud with Kurt Angle. And then at that very same pay-per-view, New Year's Revolution, where he successfully defended against Shawn Michaels, Kane, Kurt Angle, Carlito, and Chris Masters. And then Edge comes down to spoil the party and end John Cena's first ever run as the WWE champion. But it was not Edge's longest title run by any means, as he would drop it less than a month later back to John Cena at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And 
you know, obviously in that short amount of time, he made the most of it as he, you know, had his live sex celebration the following night on Monday Night Raw. And, you know, I thought, again, they could have maybe pulled the plug a bit too early on Edge's first ever WWE Championship run. But the thing is, is that maybe they didn't feel like he was ready. I would maybe beg to differ. But at the same time, pulling the plug on Edge's first run as WWE Champion in the winter of 2006 would lead to a program that you could make the argument further solidified him as a main eventer. Because obviously winning the world championship, the WWE title, kind of puts you in the main event. But one would argue, I wouldn't in the case of Edge, but one would argue that it doesn't automatically make you a bona fide main eventer. And if that didn't, then his program with Mick Foley certainly did. As they went head-to-head at WrestleMania 22 in an Extreme Rules match. And by the time this match was all said and done, there was no more questioning that Edge had officially arrived in the main event in 2006. Oh my god, here we go! Table engulfed with flames, Edge spears McFoley off the apron through it to win the, the match and stay perfect at that time at WrestleMania. And by the time that this came and went, it was official. There was no more doubting it. Edge was a main eventer. And for the rest of 2006, he would f- continue solidifying his place as a main eventer in WWE, whether that be winning the WWE Championship at Vengeance 2006 having his TLC match classic with John Cena at Unforgiven 2006, forming Rated RKO to go up against 
um, Degeneration X, and then eventually in the later years against against the likes of Jericho and pr- arguably his biggest rival of all time, The Undertaker. But uh, by this point in time, Edge had officially come to the main event and was here to stay. And it took him almost two years to get there upon his return from injuries in April of 2004. And by WrestleMania 22 in April of 2006, he had officially solidified his place at the top of the card and arguably at the top of the mountain in WWE. Well, anyway, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of WWE Retro. As always, you can get me on Twitter at AdaMarco25. You can get Matt on Twitter at Wrestling underscore Audio, or you can email him each and every week for the WWE Mailbag episode that drops each and every Wednesday. Anyway, guys, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time